global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet. Stocks are moving lower after comments from Fed officials spurred speculation about higher borrowing costs. The S&P 500 index down nine points now to 2181, a drop there of four-tenths of one percent. Dow Industrials down 62 points, a drop there of three-tenths of one percent with the Dow at 18,573. And Nasdaq is down five-tenths of one percent to 52.34. The 10-year down 5.30 seconds at yield 1.57 percent. Gold up five-tenths of one percent, up 6.60 the ounce to 13.49. And crude oil now up 2.1 percent for a barrel of West Texas Intermediate Crude up 94 cents. 46.68 for a barrel of WTI. I'm Charlie Pellet, and that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. This is Taking Stock with Pim Fox and Kathleen Hayes on Bloomberg Radio. Another very big deal coming out today. This time it's Linda AG and Praxair Inc. They're holding talks to combine, setting up a potential deal that would create the world's largest supplier of industrial gases. However, it could also lead to some increased scrutiny from antitrust regulators, according to our own Ed Hammond of Bloomberg News, weighing in on this big, big story today. Ed, welcome to the show. Thank you. Well, first of all, uh, tell us about these two companies. Who is Linda? Who is Praxair, for people who don't know? And why are they combining? So they're two of the biggest um, industrial gases companies in the world, and essentially they provide um, industrial gases to a a huge range of of different companies that would use them, like soda makers and things like that, anywhere where you would find sort of processed air um, in the supply chain. So they're both very big in that space. We think the reason that they're now talking is there was a deal um, fairly recently in the space between air gas and air liquid. It was a much smaller deal. It was valued around $13 billion. Um, and that came together last year, at the end of last year. And we think that that has precipitated these, these now new takeover or merger discussions even between Praxair and uh, Linda. Now, is this going to be a deal that will remake the industry or will it be a milestone for having paid top dollar? Well, I think it could potentially be both terms. So I think you would it would remake the industry. It's already an extremely consolidated industry. You know, you have um, a very small number of players, and these two are by far the biggest players in the industry. So inevitably, if they were to combine, it would it would be a completely reshaped landscape. Um, but I also think it could be one where you know you do see sort of significant premiums or significant sacrifices being made on one side to to actually reach the deal. I think the difficulty is going to be they are very similar in size. So the question of who actually gets to run the combined company, what the management structure is, what the social issues that need addressing are, that's going to be the interesting piece to play on. So what about the regulatory side? Who should we be watching in this potential marriage between Linda and Praxair? I think it's going to get a really tough feeling with regulators. I think just generally the antitrust environment at the moment, both here in the U.S. and in Europe, where both of these companies have very significant presences, I think will be I mean, we're in a difficult environment. We're seeing that with the health insurer deals getting blocked at the moment. We saw it with Office Depot and Staples being blocked. And I think we, we, just, we are just seeing that kind of thing struggle. And then I think you take on top of that, we're in a very consolidated industry here. 
you have two of the biggest players trying to get together, I think this is going to come up for a really, really tough time. That said, from what we understand from sources, the companies have already discussed at a fairly high level what disposals they may need to make, the kind of assets that they would need to sell to see this thing done. Ed, why is this a good deal for both companies? I think it's a good deal for both companies, or at least the argument they would make for, for why they need to do it is because the industry around them is consolidating. It, everyone is becoming more global. These companies have strong positions, one in Europe, notably Linda, and one in the U.S. And by coming together, they would be able to be a true global player. And we're seeing this kind of logic put forward by other companies in similar industries. If you take the uh, Monsanto discussions at the moment going on with Bayer, they're putting forward exactly the same argument, which is that the market is bright to have a global leader in a certain sector. In that case, it's agrochemicals. And in this case, it's industrial gas. All right. Thanks very much for joining us. Ed Hammond, he is deals reporter for Bloomberg News. He can be followed on Twitter at Ed Hammond NY. Thank you very much for joining us, telling us about Linda and Prax Air. All right, let's turn our attention now to politics with Alex Wayne, White House reporter for Bloomberg News. He can be followed on Twitter at A.A. Wayne. And he's here to give us a little bit of detail about Donald Trump, the Republican nominee, and his negotiating style. All right, Alex, tell us what is Donald Trump good at when it comes to negotiating? Is it getting the deal or is it making people feel that they won as well? It's breaking contracts. <laughs> he's uh, he's he's shown in his uh, in his in his business history that he's he's not disinclined to walk away from a deal if he considers it an impediment. And uh, what we've shown in our reporting is that um, that that sort of philosophy he's taking that philosophy and trying to translate it to governance and, and in particular his foreign policy. Hmm. So how seriously should we take this? How should we, is, is it, and how then would that play out? If, if in fact that's how, if, let's say Donald Trump wins the White House, he has a foreign policy team, he has a whole team together, how would that work? What would that mean? Well, he, he has said that he would, uh, walk away from things like the World Trade Organization, uh, NAFTA, even NATO, if he thinks that the United States is not getting a good deal out of it. Uh, for example, with NATO, he thinks that, uh, some countries, uh, in the alliance are not contributing enough financially to the, to the, uh, the, the But, but isn't that true that some of them are behind in their payments? That, that is true, but it's never been an obligation, like a, a, a test of the alliance that you have to pay X amount toward your military to be a member. Uh, there's a, there's a, you know, an aspirational goal. The alliance would like to see its members pay at least two uh, percent of their GDP toward their their own defense. Uh, but many of the countries in the alliance don't do that. There aren't any consequences from that, other than President Barack Obama sometimes sitting down with leaders of these countries and chastising them a little. But in Donald Trump's case, apparently the consequence might be the U.S. won't have your back if Russia decides to invade. Alex, can you turn your attention now to uh, Hillary Clinton and the attempt to expand the electoral map in which... Yeah, that's, yeah that's, go ahead. That's, that's an interesting little development. Uh, her campaign and a, and a super PAC allied with her uh, have each supposedly independently decided to uh, reduce their spending in a couple of states that were considered key swing states, Colorado and Virginia, uh, and move those resources elsewhere, perhaps to Georgia or Arizona, places that uh, hitherto have not been considered uh, really available to Democratic presidential nominees. But but polling suggests she's got a she's got a chance in those states. She might also want to increase her uh, her spending in Florida and Ohio, which are must wins for both candidates, and she's got smaller leads there. 
but it, it shows it shows how far Colorado and Virginia and, and Pennsylvania too, and some other places, how far those states have moved away from uh, being a, a possibility for Donald Trump. Yeah, well, the polls certainly seem to be uh, moving in Hillary Clinton's favor all the more. Uh, any issues about? Uh, Emails, etc., not uh, apparently not making much of a dent in the voter consciousness. Well, you look inside these polls and you find that majorities of voters in both parties don't like their candidates. Uh, both Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump uh, have have largely unfavorable ratings from from voters. So nobody is super enthusiastic about these candidates. And and if you look inside this Washington Post poll that was released today from Virginia, uh, you can see that. Uh, Hillary Clinton has a larger lead among registered voters than she does among likely voters, which is an indication that she may have some trouble actually getting her supporters to the polls in November. Alex, the transition team. Are we really already talking about the transition <laughs> team? How does that work? Is this normal that the, we, we're, we're in August and yeah. uh, uh, Hillary Clinton's already naming people to transition to the White House? <laughs> Yeah, you know, um, the, the transition process actually starts a lot earlier than I think anybody in the public realizes. This, these talks have been going on since uh, early in the spring. The, the, the White House and, and the Obama administration actually started reaching out to not just Trump and, and Clinton, but to some of the other campaigns at the time uh, and inviting them to participate in meetings to talk about how the transition works, where their office space would be, what officials they would get to assign to, to manage things. Uh, so it's, it's actually, it's actually not too early and, uh, Trump ought to be doing it too. I think by, I think Hillary Clinton announcing her transition team, I think that's a, a way of her to try to telegraph, uh, you know, look at, look at how organized I am compared to my opponent. Well, and how confident I am that I'm going to win, I guess, to sort of rub in the latest polls. That too, but that's, that's sort of a, that's, there's a danger in that. I, I think she's, I, I, I don't think she's trying to broadcast that she's confident so much as she's organized and professional. Huh. Well, uh, in terms of, uh, what you are picking up on the Bloomberg politi- politics team from inside the Trump campaign, are they desperate? Do they have any card up their sleeve to play? I don't. So I think I think what we're looking at right now is is the the debates kind of loom large uh, in the election. I, I, I don't see things happening in the next few weeks before the first debate that would really change the momentum in the campaign, unless perhaps there's some new damaging revelation about Hillary Clinton uh, from her emails or, or from from the Clinton Foundation or from elsewhere. Um, so really, the 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 debates. I think both both camps view the debates as sort of the next turning point. Alice Wayne, thank you so very much for joining us. He's a White House reporter for Bloomberg News, Bloomberg Politics. We thank him for joining us today as we continue to follow what is certainly a very, very, very interesting election year. I'm Kathleen Hayes, along with Kim Fox, and this is Bloomberg. Bloomberg.